0: Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so glad you've tuned in today. Uh, we've got a great program lined up for you. I, well, I, you know, it's funny I say that today. Uh, I always, <laughs> I, I like to think that everything we're doing is going to be something that brings glory to God and is of entertainment and edification value to you um, as a Bottom Line Show listener. But today's program, I'm, I'm really, really, really looking forward to. And and I think the reason that this program today has me kind of just really giddy uh, is because this first hour of the program. We're focusing on the Word of God in a way that we don't always do. I mean, oftentimes we talk about politics, and we talk about the economy, and things like that. As a matter of fact, on today's edition, this week's edition, I should say, of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, it's all four of the guys working together, Bob and Neil and and John and yours truly, talking about election stuff. We're talking about things that are happening in each of our respective backyards. Of course, as a conservative voter, you are probably loathe with the the, um, uh, the, the amount of uh, uh, liberal and progressive pandering you get from candidates. And I think one of the things that helps us in the National Crawford Roundtable is all of the four hosts are pretty conservative, constitutional, biblical-loving guys who are have been headquartered, for whatever reason, in deeply blue progressive states. I mean, we jokingly refer to California as the People's Republic of California, but I mean, it really is run in that way by a governor who, even though duly elected by the uh, electoral process... Um, you, you have to wonder sometimes what he's thinking with regard to the types of bills that he signs or doesn't sign, as the case may be. And then, of course, uh, you've got Colorado, which is a deeply blue state now, uh, openly gay governor and the whole shot. And then you've got Michigan, which uh, we could also refer to as the People's Republic of, uh, mismanaged uh, federal and state funding there. And uh, cities like Detroit, you know, having their over the past decade, um, the mismanagement of federal pensions and, and state pensions, rather, if you can imagine being a uh, an employee of the city of Detroit, and I think it was four or five years ago, the city was facing bankruptcy, and people who had worked for the city for a number of years had their, pu- their public employee pensions slashed. It can, if you can imagine that you were going to be making, you thought, say $50,000 a year in retirement, and then you found out that your uh, retirement fund was only fo- solvable or uh, solvent to the point of 16%. So what is 16% of 50, you ask, do the math. Now your $50,000 a year pension is worth about eight. Um, Yeah, I mean, and Bob Duco has been ruling the roost there for 23 years at WMUC. And then Neil Boron in the People's Republic of New York um, with a side order of Canada and his audience in Toronto. Both Bob and Neil have a big uh, Ontario audience. So that's one of the reasons I think why the National Crawford Roundtable has done as well as it has is because you're speaking primarily to people in these uh, states that are run by dictatorial type leaders. And um, and it's it's just interesting. It's just fascinating to see. So This week on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, it's up at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, you can find it at TheBottomLineShow.com. The full hour podcast airs in certain areas on terrestrial radio, and then here on Bottom Line Show affiliates, it's a half hour release. Um, Our friends in the Bay Area get it at 10.30 on Thursday morning. Our friends in Colorado, I'm not quite sure, KLTT and KLDC have different release times, and then here in Southern California... Uh, on the Bottom Line Show affiliate KBRT, KBRIGHT Radio, AM 740 and AM 1240 in San Diego. National Crawford Roundtable podcast airs uh, as a radio broadcast. The first half airs every Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock Pacific time. And then the second hour, second half hour of the podcast releases on Sunday afternoon. So uh, check your local listings as they say, but we'll be talking politics uh, on the last part of today's edition of the Bottom Line Show. Uh, on the national Crawford roundtable but for this hour it's all about God's word it's all about biblical prophecy it's all about the bible and 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 how the bible continues to prove itself to be true and here's exhibit number 197 million four hundred forty four thousand three hundred and twenty two Israeli archaeologists are at it again uh this is something that, that the uh, uh, it, it's interesting because the, uh, the archaeology, there's a, a, a guy called Eli Yanai, who's an expert on the Bronze Age at the Israel Antiquities Authority, um, has come across a discovery that shows an extremely rare uh, cave. It's a cave that uh, contains artifacts that include burial issues, and this is something that goes back about 3,300 years. Now, if you remember the story of the Exodus... You're a member of Pharaoh Ramses II, who is thought to have been the Pharaoh during the exodus you know, from Egypt. Um, basically, it appears that, the, according to Eli Yanani, this is the find of a lifetime. He said, quite frankly, it's like a set from Indiana Jones. They found a cave that have vessels on the floor that have not been touched in over 3,300 years in doing their backdating and carbon dating and things of that nature. I mean, the, <laughs> quite frankly, this was a burial site that includes a full picture of burial traditions of the period. Um, it, it, it's also something that literally was discovered by accident. Um, in the Palmhanian Beach National Park on the southern coast of Israel, there was a tractor that was moving a rock, and in moving the rock revealed the ceiling of this cave. According to the Jerusalem Post, the inspector for the Nature and Parks Authority, Dror Sitson, was called to the site. A team of archaeologists then descended a ladder into a dark cave that, quote, appeared to have frozen in time. And they found several items. They found uh, bowls of various types and cooking vessels and oil lamps and things like that, that apparently, according to tradition, they said this is the kind of thing that if you were not a Christian, if you believed in The afterlife and reincarnation and this that and the other thing they used to outfit these tombs with uh this type of apparatus that they thought would actually serve them well i mean if if you needed to cook right uh they they have you know different art features there there were oil lamps because you i mean don't don't get me started on this but these are uh, they estimate that these were the vessels that were made in tyre and sidon maybe ports of Lebanon. Um, There were bronze arrowheads there. There were spear tips there. Uh, Mr. Yunai said, uh, mainly dozens of pottery vessels of various sizes, shallow bowls, uh, cooking pots, jugs. Uh, Some of these were painted red. Not quite sure why. Um, The statement from the Israeli Antiquities Authority did not say if the team found anything that looked like human remains. uh, They didn't find any inscriptions or artifacts that would serve to be, you know, further proof of identification. But basically, I mean, as you can imagine, now the news of this discovery is spreading like wildfire. There are academics from all over the world that want to take part in an archaeological excavation. This is just the discovery phase. They haven't really gotten into the full-blown dig yet. But let's look at the timetable here. Okay, we're talking 3300 years ago. And that puts us, let's see, we're 2022, so that would put us around 1300 BC, right? I mean, if this is that old. Well, Ramses II, also known as Ramses the Great, Pharaoh Ramses, was the one who reigned in Egypt from 1279 BC to 1213 BC. This is the pharaoh who expanded uh, ancient Egypt's uh, impression as far as into modern-day Syria, Uh, that was on the northeast side, and then into Sudan, into the southern side. So it's from the era of uh, Pharaoh Ramses. It is conceivable that, don't know if this is the, (laughs) the, the burial site of Pharaoh Ramses or not, or... Well, we'll have to see. I mean, again, this is just the discovery. And how cool would it be to be that construction worker? You're out there, you know, dun, 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 like the cartoons, and you've got the, the backhoe and you've got the skip loader all ready to go, and you're moving rocks around because they're doing work on a park. <laughs> and underneath the park is this 3,300 year old ancient Egyptian burial site that could be connected to the Pharaoh who was the pharaoh in the Exodus story. Unflipping believable, but how very, very cool. And toward that end, may we point out too the fact that, boy, I mean, once again, God just hiding in plain sight. You know, I mean, it's it's just wonderful and it's marvelous. And yet there are people who will look at our faith and they'll say, gosh, I'm not sure. I am really not sure that what you're talking about is real. I'm really not sure that it's verifiable. This is where the science is settled argument comes into play. And it's fascinating to me. How many times do you see a story like this? And what will the archaeologists use? What will the geologists use? What will the scientific scholars use? They'll use the same type of material that anybody else would use on any sort of excavation, on any sort of archaeological dig to verify date, to verify authenticity. They'll use the backdating, the carbon dating. I mean, they've already gone through, and the artifacts that they have here, they're able to place this burial site as to be somewhere around 1300 BC. Now, if Ramses, Pharaoh Ramses, did actually rule from 1279 to 1213 BC, that if it's, you know, exactly 3300 years, it may or may not have been his. But it's Typical of what you saw in that era, and what you saw in that day, and for all the people, remember, brothers and sisters, there's a large group of people who believe the Exodus story is a farce. They believe it's a fairy tale. They believe it's made up. I mean, there are people who profess faith in Christ who look at scriptures and say, "Well, I believe in the New Testament stuff, and I believe in the parts that I like." Syncretism is what our friend George Barna calls it, where you take the parts of the Bible that you like and you dis You you, you dissuade people from reading the parts of the Bible that you don't like, and then off you go. Um, This is one of those cases where you look at biblical history and say, wow, Lord, thank you for this revelation. Thank you for this, uh, this opportunity to get a peek into the Exodus story and what is around. For those of you who are not materialistic, a lot of people are trying to go minimalistic and not have as many things in their homes. I get it. I'm not a stuff person. I mean, this is one of the reasons I love being married to my wife is she'll sit there. You know, we were we purchased a new home a couple of years ago, and I remember going through the design center, and I was just holding out of the checkbook saying, nah. you know, <laughs> and she was going, oh, we need this and this and backsplash for this and all these little details in the home. And I, there are times that I say, gosh, why, Lord, are, why do we spend so much time on all these details? And then I have to wonder, well, maybe, just maybe, there's a reason that we have these material items. And the reason is because God's going to bury them after we're gone, and hundreds of years from now somebody else is going to find them, and it's going to verify what it was like to be a believer in our time. I, you don't know, we really don't know. But I'm grateful for the men and women who do these digs, and grateful for the fact that God every now and again just kind of throws us a curveball like this. That is so wonderful and so enjoyable. We'll put an article, uh, the article up for this, up at thebottomlineshow.com. So a story of going Bible history being proven, to what about Bible prophecy? Have you ever wondered, I mean, do you get that thought that we're in the end times now? Uh, you know, We see a lot of Bible prophecy in the Old Testament and maybe a little bit in the New Testament, like in Revelation, and we have to ask the question, are we in the end times? Where are we in the whole world of Bible prophecy? Well, maybe that's the best place to start. Where are we in Bible prophecy land, as it were? And uh, toward that end, I met a guy uh, a couple months ago at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. His name is Todd Hampson, uh, H-A-M-P-S-O-N. Todd is an illustrator. He's a graphic designer, but he's also the award-winning, well, his award-winning animation company is called Timbuktoons. He produces a lot of content for ministry organizations, but he's also the co-host of a show called The Prophecy Pros podcast, along with Jeff Kinley. Jeff's been on with us on a regular basis for quite some time. Todd has a new book out, though, that I think may be just what we need for the times that we're living in. The book is called The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, an Illustrated Panorama from Genesis to Revelation. How much of Bible prophecy is actually being lived out right now? How much of Bible prophecy has been already fulfilled These are a couple of the questions that Todd asks and answers in his brand new book. He's gonna join me on the other side of this break to talk about it. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. When a young mother hears her baby's heartbeat for the first time, everything changes. They know that's a baby. And when you partner with us and Preborn, you let them see the ultrasound image and God takes care of the rest. Roger Varsh here for Preborn, our newest member of the Bottom Line Show family. Preborn is helping women by helping them see their child on the ultrasound. Hear that baby's heartbeat for the first time after getting that pregnancy test and you'd be amazed at the results. So far for the first half of this year, more than 25,000 babies have been saved through Preborn and 25 ultrasound machines have been placed. Now it costs $28 to provide a free ultrasound for a woman who's facing an unplanned pregnancy and wondering what to do with the child. We tell her what option number three is in addition to option one and two. Option one, of course, you're a mom. Option two, legally, you can get abortion in some states. But option number three is adoption. And the ultrasound makes option number one or three much more palatable. Call 833-850-BABY right now. Make a $28 donation to save one life. Make a $28 a month donation to save a life each and every month. That's less than a dollar a day. 833 833- 850-BABY-833-850-2229 or click the preborn banner when you go to kbrightradio.com today. Bible prophecy is on the minds of a lot of people, especially as we see how crazy the world has become. But is it possible for us to kind of uh, get an idea as to what things are going to look like? Because oftentimes... I know words on the page in scripture mean one thing, but having a visual image like a movie or something like that can sometimes do a better job of telling the tale. And today here on The Bottom Line, we have a guy who's uniquely gifted in this area. Todd Hampson is a speaker, illustrator, animation producer, and the bestselling author of the Nonprofits Guide book series. He is also the co-host of the Prophecy Pros podcast, along with Jeff Kinley and he's the author of a brand new book called The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, an illustrated panorama from Genesis to Revelation. It is just now out, and we're happy to have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Todd Hampson, welcome to The Bottom Line Show.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you again. Well,
0: I, I should I should say welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Uh, Jeff Kinley and Todd and I had a chance to spend some time at the, uh, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville earlier this year, and get a chance to meet and, you know, shake hands and stuff, which this day and age, Todd, that's, it's kind of a rarity. It's amazing how <laughs> many people I've, I I was meeting at that convention, though we'd worked together for five, six, seven years. We were actually meeting for the first time in person. So I'm, I'm grateful for that face to face, but it does kind of talk about what your, uh, your ministry is, because let's face it for the past couple of years, people have gotten used to seeing eyes, but not mouths and smiles. And, you know, that mm-hmm. type of thing, the visual is really important in terms of, you know, not only understanding Words on a page, but then being able to see too. Talk about how you describe your ministry to people in terms of, you know, as an illustrator, but also as somebody who understands Bible prophecy.
1: That's a great question. And, you know, I, basically my generation, you know, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer and uh, didn't grow up in church. I grew up unchurched. So when I first became a believer, the thing that convinced me that the Bible was from God was fulfilled Bible prophecy. Mm-hmm. And then that led to my salvation and then also led to a love for eschatology, but because of you know, various things like sensationalism and date setting and you know, some infighting among believers, for a generation or two, the church at large has kind of steered away from teaching Bible prophecy. So okay. some of that's because it's complex, some of it's because there's different views. So basically, in all my books, I, I have a passion and a calling, I believe, to use my illustration background to simplify the topic, put handles on it kind of take the intimidation factor away and clarify why there are different views, you know, and, and, and what the Bible actually says about Bible prophecy versus just someone's idea. So yeah, everyone, I'm finding that a lot of people are visual learners just like I am.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that it drives my wife nuts when sometimes we'll be on the phone and she'll say, be talking about something she wants to do to decorate around the house. And she's describing it to me. I'm like, sweetie, I mean, you're not, you lost me. I mean, I just, I have to see it. I don't care what the backsplash looks like in your mind or on page. I got to see what it looks like in the kitchen. And I but a lot of us are like that. I mean, let's face it. If we weren't like that, would God have so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so people could see him and touch him and, and experience Mm. him in that way? You know, when it comes to prophecy, uh, Todd, I realize that for a lot of people, and I, I throw myself in this category too, is not a great example of this. When I hear the word prophecy, I immediately think future. I, I, it's like okay revelation right I mean even that Old Testament stuff is all pointing us toward the end and I don't know how many of us really realize that a lot of Bible prophecy is not necessarily in the future it's either here now or it's already happened help us understand how much of Scripture is actual prophecy and and where are we in that continuum
1: yeah that's a fantastic question yeah basically over a quarter of the Bible is Bible prophecy and about 80, 80% or so of that has already been fulfilled, and only 20% is yet future. But, of course, those future prophecies are of some amazing things, like the return of Christ and the Millennial Kingdom and all these amazing things. So God gave us a pretty big down payment with 80% fulfilled and a, and a yeah. 100% track record that the, the the yet future prophecies will also be fulfilled Literally, he's a promise keeper, and he's proven that he does what he says and says what he means. so we can take that to heart. And the other thing I wanted to show in the book was that prophecy isn't just relegated to revelation, and then, you know, a couple passages in the major prophets. But literally in this book, I go through each book of the Bible, every single book of the Bible, except for one in the Old Testament, a small book, and two single chapter books in the New Testament, contain Bible prophecy, and it's all connected to major themes, major theology, major plot points that move the narrative forward, and it all points to Jesus Christ.
0: Todd Hampson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's the author of the brand new book called The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, an illustrated panorama from Genesis to Revelation. We've got a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com, and uh, you might be frustrated if you were just looking at nothing but pictures. Uh, you know, in this book. But I mean, when you talk about the fact that this is an illustrated <laughs> panorama, uh, and, and I, I can hear all the guys in the audience going, dang it, I was looking for a good picture book. But but this, <laughs> this, is the, this is the best kind, though, because yes, you do talk about, you know, prophecy. And you're talking prophecy going back to Genesis, I mean, for crying out loud. But I, one of the mm-hmm. chapters I really enjoyed, uh, you call it Waxing Prophetically Poetic. Talk about what you mean by that.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't realize. Psalms and the other books of of literature or poetry ecclesiastes and stuff like that ha, ha, proverbs has prophecy in it psalms in particular there's some major themes in the book of psalms about the future millennial kingdom about the the future descendant of david ruling from jerusalem so um obviously i'm a i'm a i believe in a literal future kingdom age which is weird to think about but it's thoroughly biblical and I catalog those themes as you go through the books, particularly there in, with that thematic uh, element in the book of Psalms there.
0: Hmm. I love that. I mean, because oftentimes we will, I mean, it seems like our culture has no problem watching Stranger Things or, you know, so one of those dystopian type of things that say, ooh, this is prophecy for the future. And it's kind of entertaining, mm-hmm. but they're kind of expecting it to happen. But then when it comes to our faith, we'll read. The Psalms, the Proverbs. We'll read Daniel. We'll read Ezekiel, and sit there and go, "Wow, that's really wild." I wonder if that's ever going to happen. You know, and I think. Well, wait a minute. What? What? The first scenario I just described is the construction of a Hollywood filmmaker. The second one is the Holy Inspired Word of God. Why would we mm. not be taking a look at that? And there's another part of the book too that you address, and I'm very grateful that you do. Um, a lot of people are coming to terms with the fact that when we think of prophecy in the Old Testament, it's Isaiah it's Jeremiah, it's Ezekiel, it's Daniel, we don't think about Habakkuk, we don't think about Haggai, we don't think about, you know, the the, the, the smaller books or what, what are called the minor prophets. Uh, talk about why your book, it's important to understand that, but your book, The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, takes a look at that part in particular and says, hey, let's pay attention. These prophets aren't necessarily so minor as they're referred to often. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. They're, they're referred to, they're called the minor prophets mainly just because of the size of the book, not the the power of the content. And actually, the minor prophets, in some ways, you know, they're condensed, so they're heavy hitters. They have a ton of Bible prophecy in them, a lot of future prophecy. Uh, if anyone's ever read like the Left Behind series or some of these other books, and they bump into you know certain events that are in there, they're like, well, where did that come from? A lot of those come from the minor prophets, you know, where Jesus' feet are going to touch down when he returns, what's going to happen in the Battle of Armageddon, kind of what the process is, a lot of these key things that kind of fill in the blanks. You know, in a lot of thematic things in Scripture, salvation, for example, you can pick one verse, John 3.16, and you understand the basics of salvation, but Bible prophecy is a little bit different. It's kind of like putting together a puzzle, so that's one reason people shy away from it. But when you start putting those puzzle pieces together and you see, particularly in the, in the Minor Prophets, how many heavy-hitting prophetic details about the future are in them, then it, it becomes really compelling, eye-opening, and encouraging.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm, and the, all three of those, in no particular order, are the, one of the many reasons why we in the contemporary church should be taking a look at Bible prophecy. And I can't think of a better resource right now than Todd Hampson's new book called The Chronological Guide To Bible prophecy. This is an illustrated panorama from Genesis to Revelation. All 66 books feature God's Word. Of course, we see the salvation story played out in the Old Testament as well as in the New. But the prophetic writings and the prophetic visions that we see uh, from the Old Testament as well also show up in parts of the New Testament and not just John in exile on Patmos. We're going to take a quick break. The book is just now out and it's up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some of those New Testament areas that we might have been reading and reading and studying and studying for years and not seeing Bible prophecy literally spelled out right before our eyes. More of my conversation with author, illustrator, and apologist Todd Hampson in just a moment as the bottom line continues.
2: Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. She knows the other side.
0: Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Todd Hampson is my guest today here on the program. His brand new book, it just came out on Tuesday, is called The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy. It's an illustrated panorama from Genesis to Revelation. Prophecy makes up nearly 30% of God's Word, and about 80% of it has already been accomplished. And not only describing this in words, pulling out the passages and explaining the, you know through exegesis, but also showing visual, you know, this is what it looks like in real life. Uh, this is a great book, and I, I highly recommend it. We do have a copy to give away right now, 800-227-5278, 800 227 800 227 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We only have uh, one of these books to give away, so I want to get you in on the drawing for this copy, um, 800-227-5278, 800 227 the number to get you through to the bottom line for Todd Hampson's book, The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, An Illustrated Panorama from Genesis to Revelation. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, Todd and I will continue our conversation about how we can understand the order that these things have happened or are scheduled to happen, and how we can approach the the future with confidence and not the fear that so many people in the world have. More of my conversation with Todd Hampson in just a moment. The bottom line continues. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits, addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge.
2: You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care, and if you need one or both, you both have it? That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits, with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our client's money in the 4D account in the last
0: few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. Todd Hampson is my guest today here on the Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. You recognize Todd, actually, he's been on the broadcast before. Uh, he and Jeff Kinley are the co-hosts of the Prophecy Pros podcast, and uh, we had them on earlier this year to talk about their their guide to how things were going to end. Um, this new book is a little more encouraging because <laughs> so, end times can be kind of <laughs> well, the end times kind of, they're not bad. They're just they're ominous. I mean, in certain areas. But, it's heavy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And Todd is an illustrator, and I, I appreciate you don't find too many people who wade into the space that Todd Hampson has called the ministry. Um, he's got a new brand new book out called The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy. It's an illustrated panorama from Genesis to Revelation. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com if you have questions about Bible prophecy, what things are supposed to look like, and maybe more importantly, as Todd mentioned before the break, but the Bible is more than a quarter of of the pages of scripture are contain prophecy. And Todd, you really kind of knocked me on my wallet, you know, for someone who comes from a tradition that doesn't spend a lot of time in revelation or even Daniel or Ezekiel for that matter. I always think of those three places in scripture going, those are the prophecy chapters. I didn't realize a, so much of the scripture was prophet was prophetic and b Mm -hmm. so much of that prophecy has already been fulfilled. Um, but, you duly noted 80% has been fulfilled, but the last 20% really going to be pretty heavy. And let's face it, a lot of the heavy prophecy is in the New Testament as opposed to the Old. Talk mm-hmm. about that.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, obviously people are familiar with the book of Revelation that closes right. the canon, but even, you know, Jesus, his second longest uh, talk was about the end times. It's called the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, and it's in the uh, two of the other Gospels as well. But he talked at length about the, the conditions of the end time and, and uh, what was going to happen in the tribulation. And also uh, Matthew 25 kind of unpacks that even more. And also one thing that actually I didn't even realize this until I prepared for this book and did the research is that every single one of Jesus's parables connects to and is ultimately about something with the millennial kingdom. It's all related to the future kingdom age. I mean, there's, there's application there for everyday life, but it, he says over and over, the kingdom is life, the kingdom is life. He's talking specifically about the future millennial kingdom, and also when we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's obviously never happened, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're, so every time we say that prayer, we're literally, literally praying for the future kingdom to come to earth, mm-hmm. um, and also... And, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but a lot of the letters as well are very prophetic.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's let's talk about that. I mean, because oftentimes I, I think of, as a pastor, I think of Paul's, you know, the Pauline epistles are in particular are kind of, well, this is the New Testament church. This is how we're supposed to live. And, you know, whether it's the uh, Ephesian church or Corinthians or whatever it is, they, they had some correction points, this, that, and the other thing. But it really is more of a practical and a how-to thing. Help uh, Give us a couple of examples, Todd Hampson, if you would, of some places where paul isn't necessarily correcting a bad behavior but rather preaching a, a prophetic word that we should be heeding
1: mm-hmm. yeah his the most eschatological or or the most focused on end times uh epistles are first and second thessalonians and they were among the earliest that paul wrote and he was he wrote them because the church that he had planted they were getting false reports because of the persecution that was going on; that they were already in the tribulation period. Mm. So he's literally writing both of those to kind of correct that era, uh, that error. And First Thessalonians, uh, in particular, the, the end of each chapter ends with a prophecy about the return of Christ. Second uh, Thessalonians, as well, talks about the the Antichrist and what has to happen before he comes. And of course, we find in those books information about the the rapture. So they're heavily prophetic. Uh, 1 Thessalonians is 19% prophecy, and 2 Thessalonians is about 36% prophecy, Mm. uh, just as an example. So they're very prophetic, uh, and we find that throughout. There are some pastoral letters he wrote that don't have much prophecy, but even those have some prophecy in them as well.
0: You know, as we're talking about this brand new book, The Chronological Guide to Biblical Prophecy and Illustrated Panorama from Genesis to Revelation, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, Todd Hampson, apologist and illustrator is my guest today here on the program talking about this book todd what i mean i'm i'm loving just the bible geek in me it's loving just our conversation (laughs) about you know the terminology you know the 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 context of the letters that type of thing and i I, you it's so appealing on that level um talk about them the uh well we we are going to talk about the 800 pound end times gorilla in the room but how about the big old uh uh, elephant in the room here too. How do you draw this stuff? I mean, when it comes to the illustrations and things like that, sometimes we do have you know some pretty good descriptive points, but other times, I mean, how much of it is inspiration of the Holy Spirit? How much of it is too many Saturday morning cartoons when you are growing up? I mean, what what, <laughs> what what fuels your fire on the illustrated part, Todd Hampton? Yeah,
1: you bet. There's probably a little bit of all of that in there. Um, <laughs> on on an, in another book, on a, I wrote the Nonprofits Guide to Book of Revelation. I had some fun in that one because I got to draw draw all this crazy stuff that John describes that no one has ever seen. And there's some illustrations in this book, uh, in the book of Revelation of that as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely an artist's depiction of it. Um, I think what's neat is when you look at church history and art history, uh, you know, through the Middle Ages and into modern times, there's always been artists that God has used to kind of help bring some of that to life and make it um, at least an, interp- an interpretive measure of what that's going to look like from that artist's perspective. So I can't wait till we get to see what some of the stuff actually looks like
0: so I can right. see how close I was. I'll be, I'll be hunting you down, that's for sure. I'll be looking <laughs> for you and say, either that or I'll be your biggest hype man going, Todd, right here, he did this, he did yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's it's wonderful because, I mean, you paint, with, uh, you paint with pictures as well as with words. I mean, some of us speak, you know, with the spoken word versus the written word. It's amazing how mm-hmm. creative God is, you know, in, in terms of not only letting us know these are going to happen, but these aren't necessarily totalitarian dictator letters, you know, coming at us. I mean, these are, they're, they're, they're beautifully written. Um, and, and in many cases, you, you find some treasures, some nuggets. Did you find any new uh, prophetic words that you had not seen when you were doing your research to get the uh, Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy together, Todd Amson? Not so much new prophecy, but I but I, going chronologically,
1: chronologically from Gen- Genesis to Revelation, allowed me personally to see how the themes develop. You know, there's a progressive nature to Bible prophecy where Genesis 3.15, for example, God, you know, the first prophecy of a a future descendant of Eve who was going to kill and destroy uh, Satan, you know, after the fall. So then you can see how that prophecy was built throughout scripture to uh, eventually you know you, you see that oh he's going to come through the line of Abraham and then through the line of David and then of course where he's going to be born and all the first coming prophecies uh, and then also just how that whole theme of the kingdom is built out from early on you know with the fall we have mankind and the and the and creation falling into sin and decay then by the time you get to the end of Revelation the world and mankind have been restored to, like, like, a, like Eden was, so to speak, and then ultimately in eternity well, where everything's perfect and it's all said and done. So God's a God of restoration, and you see all these themes woven throughout Scripture, and even though it was you know at least 39 men over 1,500 years on three different continents, every book of the Bible links together perfectly thematically in ways that can only be described as supernatural.
0: Mm i uh, talk talking with Todd Hampson today here on The Bottom Line, author, apologist, and illustrator. Uh, the book is called The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, an Illustrated Panorama from Genesis to Revelation. I've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, okay, let's talk about the 800-pound end times gorilla, if you will. Uh, what What is it about, what are we seeing right now? What are we living through right now? Probably the one of the most popular questions that is asked of guests on Bottom Line Show. I, I, I've seen our our numbers, our responses go way up whenever we have anybody who's talking about end time stuff. I mean, just everybody is just kind of all in a lather. What are we missing? What are we seeing right now, Todd Mm Hampson? how can we be preparing for the Lord's return?
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And it is the 800 pound gorilla question in the room. You know, even secular culture is talking about it. What in the world is going on? Of course, they get it wrong and they see it from a different perspective and, you know, they, they see it ending a different way. But even believers who haven't studied it before, and I think that's why God is using these books in such a powerful ways, because people are asking those big questions. What is going on in the world right now? Well, the beauty of it is prophecy is not fulfilled in a vacuum. So, just like with the first coming of Christ, where you saw developments had to take place. You know, Greek was the the language of the area, and that allowed everyone to speak a common language. The Roman road system allowed the gospel to be taken. And it it even says in Scripture that Jesus came in the fullness of time. Well, we read similar accounts about the the end times and and the rapture and second coming of Christ, that there are certain conditions that Scripture talks about that are lining up in our day very clearly Uh, we're seeing all the trends that the Bible talks about, beginning with Israel becoming a nation again in 1948. We kind of refer to that as the super sign, and the Jewish people streaming back to their land after a long time of being out of their land, just like the Bible says. matter of fact, every Old Testament prophet except for Jonah predicted that Israel would one day be a nation again. So that set the stage for all end-time events, because Israel being a nation again is a prerequisite for all end-time events to happen, Right. and then on top of that in our day we're seeing the instability of culture the wars and rumors of war, everything that jesus hinted at and talked about we're seeing all those trend lines trend towards the end times as well
0: is this a book todd hampson that you wrote for the seasoned christian or maybe the person who is kind of a, a little bit of a frantic right now, in a panic saying, oh my goodness, what is going on in the world? I'm looking for anything. Who, who did you have in mind? When
2: this?
1: <laughs> Honestly, both. And and hmm. in many cases, it's one and the same. I have a lot of Christian friends and have talked to a lot of Christians who uh, study the Bible but have steered away from Bible prophecy. And because of that, they and others who are not even Christians are often afraid because of everything that's going on. But I always say that prophecy, properly understood and properly studied, should give us clarity and hope, not fear and, and you know, a, a sense of uh, doom, you know. So mm-hmm. we know that the Lord is coming soon. We don't know when, but we, we, just like the first century Christians, we keep working and living for the Lord, expecting Him to return, and we just trust Him with it. But the difference in our day as I mentioned, is that Israel is a nation again and all these other specific end time trend lines are developing. It's almost like the stage is being set. The curtain hadn't been pulled Mm -hmm. up yet. Mm -hmm. But we're very clearly seeing the stage being set for the end time drama. And that just means that Christ is coming soon. And the main thing we need to remember is we have an empty tomb to look back to look back at. We have a God on the throne to look forward to and a time with him in heaven to look forward to for eternity.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, what a wonderful way to conclude this conversation. It's a powerful book, and I highly recommend it. Todd Hampson, the book is called The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, An Illustrated Panorama. From Genesis to Revelation, we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Todd, uh, thanks for being with us today, and we will look forward to another conversation very soon, hopefully to get you on video next time so we can uh, maybe get some pictures up on the myhopenow.com site and uh, give people a chance to take a look at what the book actually has inside of it. But thanks so much for being with us today. You're on The Bottom Line.
1: You bet. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: What a great conversation. Nice guy, too. Todd Hampson has been my guest for the past half hour here on The Bottom Line Show. His brand new book, The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, and Illustrated Panorama from Genesis to Revelation, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have one copy of this book to give away. Great resource to have, especially if you have kids or grandkids in your home. Uh, I'm sure they would appreciate getting this as not only a gift or just having some time uh, you know, grandma and grandpa, we're all looking for books to read with our grandkids. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. It's amazing how many of God's prophecies have been fulfilled. It's amazing. I mean, as Todd mentioned, um, initially when I got this book, they were saying about 75% had been accomplished. Now it's up to nearly 80%. But remember, of course, when you look at the prophecies and Revelation, especially the ones that have not yet yet been fulfilled, that last 20% of prophecy is pretty heavy. By the way, if you did not know that at least a fourth of the Bible is prophecy, then you may want to ask your pastor why that hasn't been shown to you or to us. I mean, I, I have to admit, those are numbers that were new to me, and it was kind of a revelation of sorts. But I have a feeling that a lot of times in the church, we steer clear of Bible prophecy. I was driving on the freeway the other day and uh, I came across a Billboard, huge billboard for a local church, mega church pastor. Um, you would know who he is. I'm not going to mention the church because uh, the the series that they were advertising was basically how to have a better marriage. And I thought to myself, with all the craziness going on in the world right now, world leaders trying to form holy and unholy alliances with each other, shortages in supply chains, uh, people running low on food, um, natural uh, resources being thrashed just for heating and energy issues because, uh, radicalized, uh, climate control terrorists. And I call them terrorists because quite frankly, there's a big difference between someone who wants to preserve the environment and run a little greener and somebody who wants to destroy a nation's economy in the name of doing that, but knowing full well that what they're doing is going to put like Germans right now are burning wood that they, <laughs> they have to cut down from forests because of so many restrictions on, uh, the so-called bad fossil fuels that are bought and sold in that country and you know the the co2 emissions from the burning of the trees and everything is far worse for the environment than the burning of the clean energy that they had but nonetheless this is the world we're living in so with that being the case and no disrespect to anybody who wants to have a better relationship and stuff like that why our church is spending so much time saying here's three steps for being a better parent here's four steps for being a better spouse when quite frankly it's here's five signs that the end times are closer you know, I mean, not that we're trying to predict the day and the hour, but I mean, come on, people. Let's face it. God gave us a roadmap. Yeah, we know we win the war because of what Jesus did on the cross. But what about the individual battles that are coming up? We can behold the signs of the times. And in the same way that the uh, Israeli Antiquities Authority found that uh, confirmation of biblical history and discovering that old tomb, um, we, uh, in the body of Christ here, today can take a look at Bible prophecy that's unfolding before our eyes and go ahead and, uh, and 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 cling to God's promises there too. So Todd Hampson's book, The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, an illustrated panorama from Genesis to Revelation. Book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away a copy right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, still talking about God's Word. Did you know that today's a special uh, commemorative day for two reasons regarding the Word of God? We're going to talk about each of those coming up next as the bottom line continues.
3: Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard you'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com reverse. That's kbrightradio.com reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender.
0: Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls for Todd Hampson's outstanding book, The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, an illustrated panorama from Genesis to Revelation, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the Bottom Line. You know, today is a special day for a couple of different reasons, uh, the first of which has to do with the uh, uh, what's going on in uh, the world right now as it pertains to our kids. Uh, today is October the 6th, obviously. This is a, a day that we are commemorating uh, something called Bring Your Bible to School Day. This is a brainchild from Jim Daly and Focus on the Family uh, back on October the 6th, uh, 2014. They launched the first Bring Your Bible to School event. And the idea was just encouraging kids who are Christians to bring your Bible to school. Uh, Emerson Collins is the uh, spokesperson and project manager, uh, says it's crucial that students today understand the importance of God's word. as not only one of the most historically influential books of all time, but that it is the words of life that give us a window into the heart of our creator. Perhaps now more than ever, the truth of scripture and the gospel must be proclaimed. Now that first year in 2014, about 8,000 students nationwide uh, signed up on Focus on the Family's website, let everyone know they were going to be a part of it. In 2021, this thing had grown so popular that nearly a half million students participated in Bring Your Bible to School Day. And there were pictures of parents with their kids and their Bibles posted on social media, uh, hashtag bring your Bible. Um, It's a great opportunity for students to boldly and freely put feet to their faith. That's a quote from Jim Daly, the president and CEO of Focus on the Family. And It's interesting because uh, John Cooper, who's the front man of the Christian rock band Skillet, I met John at NRB, we just passed each other in the hallway, got a picture, hopefully we'll get him on the show at some point. He said, you know, we're living in a time when truth can be whatever you want it to be, my truth, your truth, truth that's changing. He said, you know, the Bible is the sum of God's word, and that's truth. And that's good news because what it means is that you can actually live a life, build on sure footing in the word of God, because his truth never changes. So, you know, from see you at the poll a week or so ago to now bring your Bible to school day, we are anticipating that well over a half million kids participated in this event. And we're grateful to our friends at Focus on the Family for actually being a part of that. And of course, Focus on the Family has been a staple uh, for our affiliate KCBC for many, many years and also KLDC. So I encourage you to tune in uh, weekday mornings at 730. Uh, you can hear uh, "Focus on The Family then uh, on KCBC, and uh, you can also stream them online as well. Um, you know, it's interesting that the reason why we look at um, Bring Your Bible to uh, School Day as a big deal, obviously, is because more and more kids are realizing, and growing up in homes where they realize that the Word of God is unchanging, and it is unfailing, and it's always truthful. And living in a culture where you've got more and more people who are wondering, about uh, you know the 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 truth of scripture, you know that your truth versus my truth argument is becoming more common among celebrities and things of that people of that nature. But also, just in my conversations with people like George Barna and erwin Lutzer, uh, there are people who have, you know a, a very definite opinion in the secular culture that uh, the Word of God is not only not the source of truth, that standard there, but it also is immoral in some way. And I'd love to, uh, we're going to take a moment here on the other side of this break and take a look at why that argument, though it seems like it's kind of new age and fresh and whatever, isn't really all that new because we'll take a look at the reason why today is bring your Bible to school day. What about October 6th makes it so special? Uh, We'll talk about that on the other side of this break because the bottom line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, talking about the Bible this hour. And uh, you we know, talk about the Bible every day, but I mean, the whole hour has been desig- de- designated for the purpose of glorifying the word of God uh, from the discovery by the Israeli Antiquities Authority of the, uh, the tomb that could have very easily been one that like Pharaoh Ramses II was buried in right around the time of the Exodus, confirming more Old Testament history. And Todd Hampson, the author of the book The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, an illustrated panorama from Genesis to Revelation, revealing to us through word and picture how 80% of Bible prophecy has been fulfilled, and the scriptures are nearly one-third Bible prophecy you know, in, in terms of what God is going to do. So we have a roadmap. And then with today being Bring Your Bible to School Day, our friends at Focus on the Family choosing uh, October the 6th back in 2014 to be the first Bring Your Bible to School Day. And you might be wondering, well, what about October 6th is special? Well, today is the day that a guy who was born in Milksham Court in uh, Gloucestershire, England uh, back in 1494, uh, this is the day that this man uh, was laid to rest. Uh, His name is William Tyndale. And William Tyndale was an English biblical scholar. He was a linguist who wound up becoming a leading figure in the Protestant Reformation because he is known as one of the first translators of the Bible into English. And, you know, guys like Martin Luther, uh, his translation of the Christian Bible into German appeared in 1522. Then Tyndale's translation was the first English Bible to draw directly from the Greek and the Hebrew texts. And it was the first English translation to take advantage of something else too. Thank you, Mr. Wycliffe, uh, for the printing press. Now, the reason that this is important to note is because every time there's been a radical shift in the way people communicate, the printing press to electronic television, et, et cetera, et cetera, internet, every time there's been a big wave, there seems to have been a point of revival, but there's also uh, the words of other people who, you know, on the outside, who want to try to end it. And, and quite frankly, um, <laughs> William Tyndale wound up being executed. He was hung He was martyred on October the 6th, 1536. And the reason that he was, and he was put to death in the Netherlands in the Holy Roman Empire, the reason he was, was for basically blasphemy. In 1535, he was arrested and jailed. Um, He was convicted of heresy. He was executed by strangulation. After he was strangled, his body was burnt at the stake. About 40 plus years after he was, Uh, executed, I believe, I I read that his body was exhumed, his his bones were, and they burned him again. They really didn't want him. But remember, his final words were that his prayer right before he was executed was he prayed that God would open the eyes and heart and ears of King James, that he would see the vision for having the Bible printed in English. And three years later, the King James version of the Bible uh, became commonplace. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it, it basically uh, by, was authorized by the Church of England uh, shortly thereafter. And in 1611, the King James Version of the Bible eventually became kind of the gold standard, though there were two other translations before that. William Tyndale was willing to give his life simply to translate the Word of God into English there's a need for us as Christians to translate the word of God into wokeness, into uh, secular humanity right now that does not believe that the Bible is true, that does not believe that the Bible is a standard for morality. And we can argue with people and say, you're wrong because what was it the old expression in the 70s? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But remember that God so loved the world that he did what? His plan of rescue and redemption for us was to send Jesus Christ in the form of a man walking like us, talking like us, eating like us, sleeping like us, fellowshipping with other people so that the good news of the gospel, that our sins are forgiven, paid in full, and we don't have to live in that curse anymore would be the gold standard for us as Christians. And that gift is available to anyone who would believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for them and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC crowd, uh, enjoy the rest of your day as Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus comes your way next. For those who remain on the network, it's time for this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues.